Seven days a week. 24 hours a day. Live. Radio Contact. Detail podcast. I'm Rob Pax and we're here talking all things soap and Red Devils German show this week as ever we have Paul Whiteside. Right Paul? Hey Rob, you alright mate? How's your week been mate? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad at all mate. Um, busy, busy, busy as, as usual but uh, yeah, looking forward to going to uh, sunny Castleford this Sunday. Yeah, two two trips away back to back Paul, it's uh, you know it's always a journey going up there. It is, yeah. And I've just been doing a bit of uh, research this this last few days on the uh, on the Cassaway trip, and we've not got the best of records there in Super League. Five wins and thirteen defeats, I think it is, out of the eighteen matches. So we've only won there twice since two thousand and four. So we've not got the best record there at Cass. So, uh, so we're looking to put that right. It's always a tough place to go, Rob, as we'll be talking about later on. But yeah, it's a ground I'm looking forward to going to. Traditional rugby league ground. No, it's not changed much, I don't think, in uh, about 50 or 60 years, I think, Castleford's ground. So it's always nice to go there. And uh, let's just hope we're not hearing Neil Diamond on the way out. And we'll know we've done well if we can escape Neil Diamond. Yeah, Neil Diamond rather than Steve Diamond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So what have we got on the show this week, Paul? Yeah, we've got the news. We've got a review of the Saints game with interviews with Ben Nakabuai and Ian Watson. We've got the amateur report and then we will have a preview of the Castleford Tigers game this Sunday. Cool, so what we'll do, we'll... Uh, we'll... We're now at Soul for Red Devils. The big news of the day, Nile Levels has been selected to play for the England Knights squad. Uh, <coughs> well, a great uh, achievement for him. Yeah, it certainly is, and I'm very pleased for, for young Niall as well. That's a, a good achievement. You've only got to look at his try record at Salford. I was um, I was reading up on him a few weeks ago now, and uh, he's got a fantastic try record. This season he started really well. and you No, know, he's an ultimate professional as well. Niall, is, he lives the life off the pitch, and um, very humble man. Good kid who's come through our system, and it's great. I think you know a lot of accolades go there to the coaching staff that brought him through, especially you know guys like Alan Hunt, who, who did a lot of work with Niall when he was a... Uh, Head of the academy and the youth system, so so yeah, that that's brilliant. And, and Niall won't let anybody down. You know, he's a real good finisher for plenty of pace. Like I said before, he started this season really well, and he can go places. Niall, he, he really can. And uh, let's hope he does it in the Salfordshire. Yeah, all this playing on the wing as well. His favourite position is playing fullback, Paul. But that vers- versatility uh, will put him in good stead in that squad. Of course, it will. Yeah, and I think if, if Niall, you know. He's fortunate enough to make it into the England team. And you said to him, right, well, Niall, you're playing on the wing this week. I don't think he says to you, no, I'm not on my fullback. If you get the opportunity to play for your country, you'll you'll play where you're selected, won't you? And, and I'm sure Joe Niall will be delighted to, to just get selected in that team. And if he keeps playing the way he is at the moment, he's got every chance because, you know, he's he's bagging the tries, isn't he? He's, he's scoring. Fortunately, he didn't get one against St. Helens, but he's scored in every game this season up, up to now. So... So yeah, and he, you know what Niall's like. Every time he's got the ball, something happens, doesn't it? He's an ex- exciting player, explosive player, and uh, 
And yeah, I think it's about time he got in that squad because he deserves it. Yeah, recent uh, Solper players who have got a chance to play uh, for England, Andy Coley, uh, Malcolm Alka, um, Dodgy Odgy, Steve Blakely back in the day, Paul. You know, he's in good company there. Yeah, he certainly is. Yeah, we've had some we've had some decent players. I think Chris Charles got a cap for England yeah. as well um, in the in the two thousand in mid two thousand. So, and there might be one or two others that have made, the names escape me at the moment. But yeah, he's definitely in good company. He just named some good players there, Rob. And you know, Nile Levels is is up there with those players. He, he's proved it. He's been at Salford a, few, a good few years now and got the appearances and got the tries in. And you know, he's um, He's part of the furniture at Salford now, really, and, and that's that's good to see. You know, a guy that's come through and had that longevity, and you know, the club really means he's a Yorkshire lad, now, but you know, the club means a lot to to him, the Salford club, and you know, he's been brought up on it, and you know, it really is. It's heartwarming to see it. You know, you've got a lad there that's come through your system, he's doing really well, and uh, you know, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's also I think a good sign. Uh, you know, that like you said, he's come through our system and he's got all the way to international level. The people who might want to come to Salford, Paul, they might think. I've come to Salford now. I've got an opportunity to, to reach international level. Definitely, definitely, and you know, Nile Levels has really impressed me the, the last few years. He's had to be very professional as well. He's that sometimes he's had to bide his time. You know, he's been out of the team and he, he played on the wing. He's played in the centre, and you know, he just gets on with it. He just gets on with it. We, we spoke to him a few times, haven't we? You know, after the match, and that he's, he's a real gentleman, a real, a real quiet lad, but a really nice lad. I mean, I spoke to his dad a few times as well, and he's told me about how he. How he goes on off the pitch, he's dead sensible. He doesn't go out boozing. Not that other players do, but he's that sort of player who really wants to reach the top. And you can tell, you can tell in his preparation and, and the way he plays the game. He's a he's a real asset to our club, and uh, yeah, I'm delighted. What a great news! Yeah, other bits of news: uh, Ian Blees and Ian Lathwaite uh, are shared. Well, they basically created two roles. Ian Blees is now the director of rugby, and Ian Lathwaite is a new managing director uh, at the top uh, of our club. Uh, Paul, it's obviously good that they're able to split the roles now. Yeah, certainly. I'm sure Ian Blees would rather do the, the sort of rugby side of things, what a director of rugby. I know Ian's uh, quite a good businessman and he's been an agent before. He probably knows his stuff. Uh, but I'm sure if you if you spoke to Ian, he'd prefer to do, do the rugby side of things. And sometimes you've got to have people, haven't you? You can't be thin on the ground when it comes to things like that. You know, everyone's got to have a role and a job to do. And I think the more people you've got involved, more people that are helping out there and, and fulfilling their roles... It's good for the club, so uh, so yeah, we'll have to watch this one. I don't know a lot about Ian Blaythwaite, so uh, my apologies there to Ian. But uh, you know, I, I do know Ian Blees has, has done a great job as a player, and you know he's doing good things at the club. So long may that continue. Yeah, I'm sure. Obviously, the club are looking to grow, aren't they, Paul? And I'm sure Ian Blaythwaite will bring ideas and energy towards that, and uh, you know it'll grow and grow. And you know, I'm hopefully, you know, we'll be talking about this managerial switch. You know, 12 months down the line is a, mass, a really good success. Yeah, let's hope so because, you know, over the last few years, especially since we left the Willows, we've had quite a lot of chief executives, haven't they? It's been like a bit of a revolving door, really, at Salford. So if we can have a bit of stability now and people in place and to build it, you know, rugby league's a business as well, Rob, and it's got to be run properly and run correctly if you're going to generate money, generate the crowds and all that. There's a lot, lot of things that go into it. So if you've got the right people there with the right expertise, you're not going to go far, far wrong. Yeah, talk about the right people and getting them involved in the club. Uh, Club 13, uh, Paul, kind of thing set up to kind of entice the, the business community into sort of linking up with the club. Uh, that's going to take place on the 13th of March on a Wednesday. Uh, it's pretty good, obviously. We want investment, don't we, into club, and, and I think this kind of thing will work. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, it, it, exciting news. That, I mean, you've only got to look at the local area now, haven't you? You've sort of got the Manchester, Salford area, Trafford area. You've got the um, all the media city that's going on like a stone's throw away from us, really. So there's an awful lot of opportunities in, in this part of the, of the country at the moment. And if you can tap into that and into sponsorships and into businesses, that's where you're going to generate your money from, aren't you? So, you know, I'm not a big expert in, in all that sort of things, but obviously I know it's important. And, uh, you know, if the club can tap into that, you know, Andy Rossler, he's, he's a businessman, isn't he, and a, a teeth. Um, Latif, who's on the board as well. I hope I've got his name right there. He's he's a businessman, so so yeah, that, I think that's a good thing. The, the more businesses you can get on board, the more income that you can get. That's what sport and is about these days, Robin. Yeah, it's obviously a great opportunity if you are a local business to, to you know to get involved in that. Um, obviously, the profile of the club, your business profile will grow with that, won't it, Paul? So if you yeah. if you you know have a possibility to get involved in that, I'd you know certainly advise you know you to do that. Uh, other bits of news uh, Casper tickets and witness tickets are available uh, for our away games coming up Paul we said last week it's a big uh, income uh, stream for the club because now they get 25% of every ticket sold if you're going to go to an away game go down to the club and buy your tickets because obviously doing that will help the club grow yeah, it certainly will. You're best off getting your money to Salford rather than going to, to Castleford and, and witness aren't you and if you're going past the stadium you're going to go to both games you know, kill two birds with one stone and get the two tickets while you're down there. I think we've got Hull, haven't we, uh, next next week on the on the Friday. So if you can get your ticket for the witness game the week after, you know that that's great. Especially if the club get that money as well. Twenty five percent is quite a quite a decent amount to get. So if you can you can flog a few hundred tickets there, that's quite a good income stream for the for the club to get. And I'm sure we'll take a good following to Castleford. It's usually a good day out there, and we get a good following there. It's one of the traditional grounds in rugby league. Not a ground we do very well at very often, but. Uh, yeah, let's hope we can sell a few tickets and take a good following there. Yeah, I think it's just a mindset change, isn't it? People are used to going up on the day and purchasing, you know, tickets uh, over the, you know, in the turnstiles. And I think, obviously, doing this helps the club, generates cash for the club, uh, and they can grow and grow. And, you know, I think it's just a matter of us having to change our ways a little bit to help the club. Yeah, it certainly is. Sometimes, Robert, it's, it's easy and it's just sort of pay on the day, pay on the gate and roll up when you get there. Because, you know... On the other side of the coin, though, people are working, aren't they? And I mean, I struggle to get down there to, to get tickets and things like that. You know, you've been working. If you're not working in the local area, um, you can't really pay over the phone and get them posted out to you. You've not got enough time, have you? So if you can't, you, you would have to, you know, go and uh, go and pay on the on the door. I think one thing in the future, perhaps if we can buy tickets from different outlets, I think that would be a good idea from the club. Maybe if we can have some some small businesses or shops or off-licenses or local pubs, restaurants, whatever, where you could purchase tickets as well. I think that's something that you could look at. I think I don't know if someone's had that idea before. I think I've heard it mentioned before, but I think that's a that's something if you can buy them perhaps in the heart somewhere in the heart of Salford, if you can't get down to the stadium, that might be a good idea as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that you know they thought about that. Um, I honestly think you know maybe buy your ticket over the phone and pick it up on the day. Would that be much of a difference? I'm sure something. Yeah, sure if you could, you, yeah, if you could do that. Yeah, I mean I don't know where we have to actually physically buy them from Salford because you usually have like a box of them don't we yeah. uh, but I, I suppose if you rung up like now for your, for your witness ticket they could post it out to you now I suppose if it was on the Monday when you phoned and the game was on the Friday you might have a, have a chance of losing it in the post haven't you or not getting it to you in time but like now with, with the witness game being a week on Thursday I think you know is it two weeks tomorrow the witness game you've got plenty of time to phone up and get that ticket and I'm pretty sure they do that for you yeah, and also uh, tickets for the home games. If you're part of a, a sort of a community, local community club, uh, if you <coughs> sort of buy your ticket through the club, 
at your club, uh, your club gets 50% of the money back, which is really good for the local community clubs because that'll help them grow too. It certainly will. I think that's that's a great idea, that Rob, and that's something we should have been doing for a while now. You've got to work with those local community clubs. There's a lot of clubs in the area, not just in the Salford area. You've got the teams in Oldham, the teams in Rochdale, teams in Bolton, teams in Perry. You've got all sorts of teams in the Greater Manchester area that that are a sort of um, we're we're their Super League team, really, aren't we? We're the, the big. I'm not, you know, we're discounting the size like Old Rochdale. Obviously, they're very important teams in their own right. But with us being the the flagship Super League club for this this area, really. No disrespect to the teams in the first division. We've got to uh, we've got to support those amateur sides, haven't we? And uh, and get those kids involved because that's where your junior players are going to come from, Rob. Aren't they? In the future, you know, you're under 16s, you're under 18s. If you, if you can get them from the amateur clubs, how many how many players have come from amateur clubs that play for Great Britain now? You know, oh sorry, England now. All of them. They've all come there. Luke Burgess, Kevin Sinfield, all those sort of guys. Luke Gale, Alex Warms. You name those top stars for England. Sam Tompkins. Um, they've all come through amateur rugby league, haven't they? So, uh, so it's definitely a definite market. And if you can get them interested in Salford as well, that's that's just a bonus. Yeah, I think obviously the fans as well. You got your amateur players, but obviously not everyone makes it to the top top level, Paul. And then they become fans. And you know, I think it's just a matter of you know the club reaching out to them people and registering the details, keeping in touch with them, offering yeah. offers, and you know being engaging to people outside our Salford Red Devils bubble because. You know, you can't fault the, the social media, they're on it all the time, but you're only hitting the people who are inside your bubble with that. And I think the important part of this is, is reaching out to the people who aren't always getting in touch, you know, being able to get in touch with the, the club and, and trying to entice people. And that's where, you know, this kind of thing happens because you, you matter just enticing the people who aren't necessarily involved in, in the Sofa Devils bubble and dragging them inside. Certainly, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there, Rob. Not, I mean, it might sound a daft statement, but not everybody's on social media, are they? I mean, a lot of people are. You know, it's, it's the modern thing now, but there's still a lot of people who don't go on Facebook and don't go on Twitter, and, and people might laugh at me there, but there is. I know no, no people who, who don't, and you've got to hit all those people as well. And like you said there about the, the families and all that of the, of the amateur club, you know, you've got a, lad who, a young lad who's playing amateur rugby league. If you can get his mum and dad along, his brother along, his cousins along, and, and things like that, and get him involved in Salford, in our club and getting believing in our club that's how you develop a community don't you around the club and I think that that's what every club will strive to be a community club won't they and, and, and if you can work with that community and get people on side and get them going to the games and get them to love the club that's how your fan base is going to grow I think that's how it starts I mean I'm not a believer in giving free tickets away and, and things like that there's no sustainability in that for me you've got to build it from the bottom it takes time it will take time to, to do things like that but if you if you do build that community base around your club, you won't go far wrong. I'm, can't, I'm, I'm not a, a big believer in free ticket giveaways, but for me, you've got to, if you give them a ticket away, you've got to make sure that you get the details off them, so you can ping them with a you know a, a little offer where you have to pay a little bit, and then kind of build them up gradually until they're kind of paying what everyone else pays. I don't I don't think you can expect to give a free ticket one week and then next week then then pay twenty quid. I think that's no, too I, much of a you're right, yeah. No, I, I don't think we work full stop, Rob. To be honest with you, I mean, for kids, yeah, definitely. I think the you know the amateur clubs, the the players who play for the amateur clubs, the under nine, tens, elevens, twelves, whatever. I think they deserve the tickets, and I think that's great. I mean, we went for free at Salford, didn't we? When we were kids, that was the old slogan: "Wanted kids go free." But I'm not a believer in free t- free tickets for adults and things like that. I mean, really, you want people to be going to the matches because they want to go. Um, and if you can get people going because they want to go, 
you know we're going to come back the week after. And you're only going to do that by working with the communities and, and making them feel involved, making them enjoy themselves when they get to the game. And and, that, and, and for me, that's, that's the way forward. Yeah, building bridges in the community, Paul, and, you know, making it feel like everyone's, you know, appreciated and everyone wants to be involved and the excitement builds on it. And, you know, we, we win a few games, we get further up the league, everyone starts getting a bit excited and the, and the buzz starts creating, doesn't it? And, you know, that's what we want, don't we, in the next few weeks? Yeah, certainly, certainly. We've got some tough games coming up as well. And, you know, it's a short season, Rob, isn't it? I think we've played 23, 23 games, haven't we? We've played four already in the in the regular season. We've only got 19 left. It doesn't sound many, does it? So, uh, so yeah, we've got some tough ones. It's soon going to be Easter as well. we got back-to-back games. It's exciting times. It really is. Yeah, next bit of news. Uh, the Sulphur Devils Supporters Trust are having an event of 21 years. Uh, Super League team, the, the team that was promoted in Super League. Is that right, Paul? Yeah, in 1997, yeah, we was promoted to the back end of 96, weren't we? And, <coughs> excuse me, 97 was our first season in the Super League. Obviously, Super League started the year before in 96 when we were in the, the first division, but our first season was that 97 season. And Bill Cousins got our first try, if you remember, in that 4-0 victory over Castleford. And that side, you know, it, it's probably one of my favourite times watching Salford, really, in the 97 season. I can still remember some of the games, well, most of the games, to be honest with you, Steve Blakely and... Ian Watson in the half-backs, Andy Burgess, Craig Randall, Mark Lee, all those sort of players, Scott Martin, Gary Broadbent, some really top names, weren't there? Darren Rodgers, Nathan McAvoy, Patasina, you can read them off, can't you? Peter Edwards, Cliff Eccles, <laughs> go on all night, Rob. But it yeah, was, was one of my favourite times. Well, it was my fa- one of my favourite times watching the club and uh, the supporters trust are trying to get that side back together as many of those players as possible. Like Nathan McAvoy's Brewery, the Seven Brothers Brewery that, that Nathan uh, is, a, I think, is a partner in, or he'll have to run it. Um, so it's quite, a, it's going to be quite good to have it there and have Nathan on board, and obviously we'll get Andy Gregory down there, the, the coach as well, and some of the coaching staff. You had Steve O'Neill on the coaching staff as well, didn't you? There, and I think it'd be great to get that team back together. Quite a few, few of the players like John Cartwright and that probably live in Australia now, so we might have trouble tracking them down. But some of the lads are still local, aren't they? In fact, I think quite a lot of them are as well. We know Mark Lee's been went to the last event, and I think he's really keen to come to this one as well. So, I think it'd be brilliant to have all those players back 21 years later, just to celebrate what they did and what they achieved. You know, finishing six in the table, taking us to the semi-finals of the cup. We had some great nights, and some great victories, and uh, you know, really rememberable uh, season. Yeah. So don't get tickets after you've just got to register uh, that you want one. Um, and yeah, let's pack it out and have a, and have a good night. So, that's all the news uh, this week, and now what we'll do, we'll talk about the defeat against Settlers. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your Big Match Review. The Devils travel to Settlers last Sunday after they being reorganised through the, uh, the snow and the freezing conditions, and were defeated 34 points to 2, Paul. Tough game, they tried hard, but Saints just had them at hard length. Yeah, it was a... Well, a tough game, Rob. You, you knew you were going to get a tough game going to St. Helens with our our record there. But, you know, not looking at that, just looking at the, the future. Now, it, Saints have made a good start to the season, haven't they? They, they? they beat Castleford really well in that first game. And they've won, I think it's two away games against Huddersfield and Catalan. They won quite comfortably. So, everybody's backing them, aren't they, to, to win the, the league. And I think they're everybody's favourites. And Ben Barber as well, we, we saw how good he was on, on Sunday. I think he... I wouldn't say he was the difference. I think St. Helens were better in, in other departments as well. But going back to the match, I thought 
for the first 20 minutes I thought we were the better team as daft as that sounds I thought we played really well we defended really well and we stopped Sutherland's getting any sort of rhythm really. we, we, we forced a lot of mistakes from them didn't we? we forced a lot of knock-ons and we started to get a bit frustrated and we got that two points to nil lead from Gareth O'Brien and then Ben Barber sort of stepped in then he he set up a try from that grubber kick and then he scored a try as well to give them an 8-2 lead at half-time so without Ben Barber we might have been leading 2-0 at half-time but no, we, we were still in the game though at half-time I thought yeah obviously a lot of puff I thought <coughs> in, that, in that first half but Saints are a good side like you said and you know against top sides you need a bit of, bit of X factor a bit of you know a bit of sprinkling of magic and unfortunately we just couldn't find it for me uh, can't fault the effort I think the effort was there he tried so hard but just lacking that bit of magic I thought yeah we didn't seem to be able to have the have the key to unlock St. Helens defence really at half back I thought we was but I thought the kicking game was wasn't the best I thought it was worse in the second half to be honest but we never really looked like scoring in that first half I think you've got to credit St. Helens as well they've got a good defence I think there's one of the best defences in the league at the moment and they, they, they pride themselves on defence don't they good coaching that Justin Albrook they're always going to be hard to, to break down and, and they were well going back to us I thought we looked poor poor with the ball and second half we, the kicking game was poor I think Robert Louis kicked the ball at the touch twice uh, when we was, was trailing quite heavily and just punted the ball out as if to say we're trying to keep the score down which I thought was a very strange tactic really but you know that second half was a pivotal moment there where, where Chris Wellen went through I think we spoke about it on, on Sunday, didn't we, Rob? And if he could have got through there and scored, it was like a sort of half break. And he seemed to hesitate a bit and not, not back himself, and he got tackled. And then on the next set of six, St. Helens went down the other end and scored. And it's 14 points to two. Then I think there was a contentious decision with Gareth O'Brien. Um, he had to drop out, didn't he? And I think he was convinced it didn't come off him, but obviously he had to drop the ball out from under the post. He drops it out on the full. St. Helens take the two points from the penalty. Then it's 16-2. And then you're you're in trouble a bit there, really. And You know, with 10 minutes to go, it was still 16-2, though. And Saints obviously scored those three tries in the last 10 minutes. So I think the 34-2 scoreline, it's hard to say flattered St. Helens because they, they, they deserve the win. But 16-2 with 10 minutes to go, then to lose 34-2, it's a, it's a bit hard to swallow, really, for a, for a solved sport. Well, like you were saying, I thought the effort was there. They worked really hard, but there's... There's things Ian Watson's men need to work on, especially with the attack. Yeah, two things, obviously, just you made points, made you made there, Paul. First thing, kicking game, right? A lot of kind of like kicking to the corner, you know, stopping the play and kicking the ball dead. And we were talking about that, weren't we, enjoying the commentary, you know, whether to try something or, or, or not. For me, Saints have a lot of flyers in them to that team, don't they? They have Ben Barr, they have Adam Swift, they have uh, Regan Grace, all got plenty of juice to burn, haven't they? So I'm thinking Ian Watson's plan was to kick it so it goes out of play. Because if, if the kick doesn't come off and one of them pick the ball up and the space they run into, they, they, they'd kill us, wouldn't they? So I, I'm thinking it was like a tactical ploy just to stop Saints from, you know, springing a counter-attack on us. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about that one. It just seemed funny. We were, we were 16-2 down and he did two kicks, two, two like sets running, really, and you need to be trying to score points, don't you? You're not going to score by kicking the ball into touch, eh? Because then you're relying on them to, to make the mistake. So it just seemed a bit negative to me and just smacks of a side that's not getting any organisation. No, I'm not going to go up Robert Louis, but 
since we've lost Michael Dobson, we don't seem to have that leader on the pitch do we, who's running, running us round and directing us round. I don't think you would have seen Michael Dobson do that on Sunday. I think he'd have done a attacking kick and tried to put pressure on Saints because if you're not going to put pressure on them, you're not going to score any points and you're not going to win the game. And, you know, to, to not score in a match is, is, is poor. Obviously, you've got to credit Saints who defended well, but I thought our attack was, was pretty... Uh, Pretty toothless, as Ian Watson said in his in his interview after the after the game. Those were his words, not mine. And if you look back to the Wakefield game, we only scored twelve in that game. We got twelve against Wigan. We got two against St. Helens. All right, we scored a few against Goldcar, but our attack does look. We, we look like we're going to struggle to score points this season. That might be it might be our downfall. So it's obviously it's something we've got to work on there. And I don't know. Is it is it a half back? Do we need to have a look at that and bring Gareth O'Brien back in at the halves? Put Niall back to full back. That's a decision for, for Ian Watson to make. And supporters will have their own opinions on that as well. But I just was disappointed in, in that second half with some of the some of the options that we took. But like you said before, the side worked really hard. I thought Josh Wood was excellent. Lee Mossop, I thought, for me, was was the best forward on the pitch. And I read the League Express and it only gave him 6 out of 10. <laughs> I thought he was the the best forward. His, his goal forward was fantastic on, on Sunday. But uh, yeah, there was, there was a lot of players who come out you know, with, with good raps and like we said to Ian Watson at the end of the game, you couldn't really slag anybody off for, for effort. Everybody seemed to put the put the full effort in. Yeah, obviously, referee made a few conscious, you know, dodgy decisions. Um, I, think, I don't know, referee, you get, you're supposed to get luck of the green, aren't you, throughout the season. Uh, there were a couple of ones where we thought that was a bit strange. But it is what it is. You can't have a game without the officials, so you can only see what they can see as well. You haven't got the opportunity to look back on it. If it's not a Sky game. Um, so, unfortunately, you've just got to play the card you dealt. Yeah, I think so. There was a few iffy decisions, really. But I don't think we help ourselves sometimes. Our discipline was pretty poor in that second half. Especially Lama Tazi did three eye tackles. Three tackles running, I think. And got penalised for two of them. And put himself put in the sim bin. And, you know, it's, it's penalties like that that are, that are ludicrous, really, aren't they? And, you know, just going back to the weekend's game. I saw the game... Um, Hull against Warrington mm. and that Liam Watts got sent got himself sent off for for a headbutt a meaningless headbutt and I think his his coach Lee Radford was uh, was really disappointed with that it's just some of the things that the players do sometimes it's just daft you know daft penalties like that and they, they call them coach killers don't they and and we do seem to give an awful lot of cheap penalties away you can't afford to do that against any team but you're giving it away against St. Helens side like you say we with so much pacing and a lot of classing as well you can't keep inviting them in with penalties because they're just going to crucify you I think what it is Paul Paul it's a thin line isn't it, between aggression and giving away penalties and I think we tread that line a lot and that and that's why I think we do get penalised quite a bit but the pen, think about it the penalties that we do give away are kind of holding down to play the ball getting you know getting caught outside you know silly, like you said you know silly sort of brain fart kind of you know uh, penalties aren't they're not they're not always high shots or, or you know sort of physical penalties are they really which must be a concern for Ian Watson yeah yeah I think he is a concern yeah it's something we spoke about about last season as well and and the, the attacks are concerned I know the attacks are concerned for him he, he won't be too worried he wasn't too worried when we spoke to him on on Sunday he knows he's got to iron things out and 
I didn't like saying to him, you feel under pressure, you know, because you've, you've lost a couple of games now, because I don't think he does. I think he knows his best side, and, and Saints are a good team, aren't they? Let's, let's have it right. And, and you can look at that scoreline, you can take it apart as much as you want and say, oh, well, it was this, it was that, it was the other. you just got to move on from that now and, and, and attack next week. And obviously, if we get beat 34 points to two at Castleford, then there will be pressure on Ian and he will have to answer some questions. But I think you just got to give him the benefit of the doubt for that game and, and obviously just... Uh, just learn by it and I think a few people were giving Jack Little John some stick um, I, I didn't think he had his best game on Sunday but he's another one he, he, he's going to need time he's only played three or four games with Robert Lewin you know half back partnerships take time to gel sometimes you look at Wakefield they've got Liam Finn and Jacob Miller they've played together for, for two or three seasons now um, and they, they, they're learning all the time aren't they so Perhaps Jack Little John, Robert Louis, that partnership leads a bit longer to uh, to bear fruit. Yeah, I think with Little John, his defence is solid. I think he's you know he's quite good in, in defence uh, around the edges, and that's always been quite a bit, you know bit of concern. That our edge defence, where you know because we've got big forwards, you know the mobility sometimes isn't, isn't always there, and he's put under a lot of pressure, like Robert Louis is, you know, to cover a, cover gaps. And you know, for me, I think his defence is spot on. Kicking game, we, we talk about the kicking game, how he, how he finds touch from penalty. He's got a massive kick, hasn't he? And for me, like, I'm thinking, you know, we should give him the ball every, every penalty because if he can kick it 30, 40, 50 yards down the field, puts us on the, on the front foot, doesn't it? He certainly does. And sometimes, Rob, um, things like that annoy me because they're just little details in the game that, that you should be looking at. He should be doing the, the place kicking, kicking for touch, not Gareth O'Brien. And I'd even have him kicking off as well. You know, doing the kickoffs. If he's got a big boot, like you know, get that ball in the air, and then get your defenders running onto it. Just things like that sometimes are not utilised by by teams, and they sort of just fob it off as not being important. But yeah, you've only got to watch players like Lee Breers and Danny Brook. The um, sort of the, the time they take into to putting into kicking, or they did do in, in Lee Breers, especially in his career. You know, varying kickoffs, and it's a big part of the game, isn't it? Doing things like that, you know, doing a short one every now and again, hammering it into the floor, kicking it as high as you can, and just varying those kicks and making it as difficult as possible for your opposition to deal with. And, um, yeah, that's something I'd be looking at because Jack Littlejohn's got a massive boot on him, like you say. And if he can be kicking the touch for you and, and getting you 40, 50 yards down the pitch, that's going to work to your advantage. Yeah, definitely. We spoke to Ben Nackenby after the game and this is what he had to say. So I'm joined by Ben Nackenby Tough game, that. Yeah, it wasn't a... Uh... It was a tough day at the office today. Um, expecting a better result, but um, I guess St. Helens came away with the goods, and um, we just have to go back now, prepare for Castleford next week. Yeah, obviously the game being on, off then on again. How did that affect your sort of preparation? Um, I don't think it affected our preparation. It's just one of those things. That if it's on, and you have to prepare whether you play or not. So. Um, yeah, it didn't really affect our preparation. No excuses for our end. Yeah, obviously looking forward to Castleford uh, next week. Opportunity to you know right a few wrongs. Yeah, it's a big opportunity for us. Um, we were aiming for getting two in a row this week, so um, obviously we didn't achieve that tonight. But um, we got another big opportunity this weekend against Castleford. Um, hopefully we can um, put in the good steps this week and um, yeah, good result on Sunday. That's our aim. Cheers, big thanks for talking to us in the Denver Lanita. Ben Nakambuai talking about the uh, the game against St. Ellen. Um, looking at the stats, uh, Paul, tacklers, Rob Lewitt did 23, Lee Mossett was 35, Logan Tompkins with 35, Tyrone McCarthy with 45, 
Uh, you know, the forwards, you know, the big forwards are making big tackles, aren't they? Yeah, they were. They were. And, and Ian Watson said that again, that the, the pack matched theirs, and he probably did. I think our pack's as, as good as anybody in, in the league. Um, it really is. We've just. Um, we just let down in, in certain areas, which we've probably covered before, didn't we? Talk about the half backs and the, the kicking game and you know the attack. But as regards forwards, the, the way they played this season, I think they've been excellent in, in every game they played. Even the, the Wigan match, we didn't get beat up in the forwards. You know, guys like Tyrone McCarthy's come in and done an excellent job. It was good to see Mark Flanagan back in the side on Sunday. I thought Mark worked, worked really hard. He put he put a cracking shot in on his mate John Wilkin, and, um, and there was there was some great defensive work again. Junior South. Coming up with some crunching tackles, it was uh, I can't remember who he hit there. Was it McCarthy Scar? Yeah. might have been him. But we really did. We put ourselves about. We really did. And going back to that first half an hour, I thought we really, really sort of unsettled the Saint We stopped from getting into any sort of stride. And you know, if you take Ben Barber out of their side, I don't like saying Saint Helens are a one-man team. I'm not alluding to that at all. But what I am saying is that he was, he was a big difference. He created. He scored two, I think, and he created a couple. And he was a he was a pivotal guy for St. Helens, and if they can keep him fit, they're going to do really well this season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I'll say it, they are one thing. <laughs> no, but it's it's one of them. Every team has that go-to guy, don't they? And he's there, and he he, he made a couple of tries, scored a couple of tries himself, and so you know he is what it is. He's he's world class, and that's why he uh, plays for St. Helens. But he plays for St. Helens because he's got he's got big money, hasn't he? And that's what you know attracts the big players, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely, and uh, it's whether they can hang on to Ben Barber now. I know there's talk of him going back to Australia next season, back to to Cronulla, and whether they can keep him in the Super League, especially with our our salary cap over here. Australia can offer more money, but yeah, he's, he's an excellent player. I watched him, him in that Castleford game when he played against Cass in the first game of the season. His defence was excellent in that game, and it's a privilege to be able to watch people like that. And um, he was quality on Sunday. He really was switched on and. You know, for, for large parts of the game, though, I thought we defended really well. We didn't really get busted. You know, in the last sort of ten minutes, they, they got those uh, those three tries. But other than that, we we matched them for long periods of that game. Yeah, looking at the the stats, Paul, uh, top meter maker Lee Mossett with 113, uh, Rob Lewis with 99, uh, Ben Nakambawai with uh, 78, um, Chris Wellen with 95, uh, Tyrone Carter with 77, Joshua Jones with 91. Um, Obviously, you want more players over the hundred mark, don't you? Uh, but like you said, it was it was a tough game. Yeah, it was a tough game. It was a tough game, and I think St. Helens had quite a lot of ball, didn't they? Especially in the second half, so you you were struggling for possession really. And don't forget, they've got a big pack of forwards as well. You look at guys like Alex Warmsley. He's a he's a big unit. He took a bit of stopping, but I thought we uh, we we dealt we dealt well with their forwards. We didn't get overawed by them. We didn't get busted up the middle. We got caught a couple of times on the on the edges by the brilliance of Ben Barber. There'll be teams that you know go there this season and get get beat back probably a lot more than that. So uh, so I won't be too too disappointed. Yeah, we spoke to uh, Ian Watson. Coach's corner. Right, Ian Watson joins me after that game. I thought the scoreline flattered St. Helens a bit there. I thought, you know, 16-2, 10 minutes to go. Is that disappointing? Yeah, it, do, it does in the way we finished. Um, like I said, I thought we were really good for the, the first half. We just had a couple of little discipline issues and Ben Barber was probably the difference in quality in that first half. Um, but when we're playing these top teams, we've got it's got to be an 80-minute performance. It's got to be a focus all the time. And I just don't think we fully had that today, really, in the second half because we came out after, after half-time and we gave... 
couple of penalties away and then we give a drop out away so again we're defending our trial line all the time and if you just keep inviting teams to attack you on your trial line you're going to concede at some point it must have been frustrating for you because a lot of effort went especially in that first half Saints had a lot of ball and our defence was, was good, really good in yeah. patches wasn't it that, that's the big thing is that you, you look at it and you just think oh well we've conceded that many points defence must have been poor but in large parts our defence was very good they weren't breaking us um, down off, uh, off plays um, we were really good in that in that department as we were getting forward we were shutting down kind of their plays it was kind of the off cuff stuff that they kind of got us with the offloads um, Wormsley to Barber and then like I say uh, Barber's speed really causes a problem and then just a little bit of misreads um, from individuals but like I say it, it, you think it's a worry on the on the big side of the score but I think in large parts we We've done really well in certain aspects of our game. We just need to be consistent in what we do. Is it a concern for you they're not scoring a try, or is that something you've got to work oh, on? You can look at it and say, yeah, our attack was kind of a little bit toothless today. But if you think about the amount of defending we're doing, because yeah. the discipline Which takes a lot. Of yeah, it, then you kind of blunt your attack as well, um, and obviously it fatigues your defence. So it's um, there's two sides of, of, the, of the coin, and we've got to make sure that we're better on both. There was a point, I think it was in the first half, when Chris Wellen went through. Was it the yeah, second, second half? half yeah, it was a 12-point yeah, turnaround, yeah, yeah. and Saints scored on the back yeah. of that. And for the Colts, that must be mega frustrating yeah. for you, because that we score there, could yeah. be a different game. I, we spoke about that myself and Gleese because... You get kind of Benny Barber in that space and he scores, don't he? Yeah. Um, and that's probably the difference between the the top teams. They've got that little bit of problem of quality that can finish off. Um, a Everything play like seemed that. to come off today for yeah. as well. There was a few bounces of the ball and well, Rob Lewis makes the break down um, their left edge and then he flips the ball out the back and rather going to our man, it goes to Lomax and they clean it up as well. So the threat breaks down straight away. But I say so again. I think we're running at like a 63 completion rate out of the game, whereas they're running at an 80 percent completion rate and. When you're playing the best teams, you can't give them that amount of um, ball. So it's yeah, we got we probably got what we deserved at the end of the day. So overall, like we four games in the Super League, three defeats, one victory. Yeah, you don't seem overly concerned. I'm not as a supporter, no. yeah. and there's obviously the signs there for improvement. But today, 34-2, I don't think is a is a true reflection. Yeah, either. probably not on, not on the outcome of it, kind of from the game. If you look at the first after the 16-2. At that point where we're, we're in the game and then we get a bit of the arm wrestle there obviously we lose Lama then as well um, but like I say the, the biggest concern for me was our discipline I know what the boys can do and how good they can be as a kind of team it's we've just got to be consistent with that and that's probably been our downfall over the kind of last couple of years is just getting that consistency in our performances so it's something for us to kind of work at really Castleford away next week yep any changes for that? Any people coming back in? I know well, Iraqi dropped out was it yeah. yesterday, so that was a blow for you to yeah. deal with. Tough yeah. place to go, Cass. Yeah, it is. Um, but it's, to be fair, we, like we say, we, we know the teams who we're coming up against, and we know we're, we're playing the top teams, and you want to play the top teams and challenge yourself and kind of set your platform out. Um, you can say, like when we played OKR, who people are classing as in, in and around us kind of, uh, kind of thing in the league table well these are like the Super 8s teams who were playing like last year and, and the back end last year we didn't finish it so strongly there so we wanted to make sure we did a better kind of had a better fist of it this year by starting and starting strong again um, it's, it's not been to be at the moment but like I say I, I'm confident we'll get it right I think we showed at Wakefield a couple of weeks ago that we could yeah. we could muscle it up couldn't we I'm, I'm yeah. sure if we can put that sort of performance in at Cass we I can think, get something like that yeah, game I think if you look at the the Wigan game to be fair and look at the Saints game here today I think our pack was really pretty dominant to be fair and I thought as a team we were pretty dominant in the first half it's like I say we're just we're not helping ourselves by giving them little penalties away me looking at that game I don't think there's any player I would slag off there as having yeah. a poor performance I think the effort was totally there wasn't like you said yeah. Ben Barber probably the difference yeah, cut massively. the silly penalties out yeah. there's a lot to work on in training this yeah, week to get someone like Ben Barber though you've got to pay a fair whack of money haven't you, you certainly <laughs> do. some of the yeah. stuff he did today though was, yeah. was outstanding yeah, no, the, the kicks through and the try he scored yeah. as well
Well, if you look at kind of what he's created out there today and what he's scored on the back end of that, like you say, that's you pay for that kind of quality. Just we'll 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 start saving yeah. up, won't we? Yeah, no, everyone chipping in. We <laughs> yeah. will. Thanks for speaking to us today. Best look at Cast for next week, mate. Thanks, mate. Uh, talking to us after the game, Paul, and uh, he wasn't he wasn't sort of too disappointed, but he knows obviously that there's bigger challenges to come. Yeah, he knows he's got stuff to work on. And, you know, the main point he alluded to was the difference was Ben Barber and the discipline. He was disappointed in our discipline, especially the penalties we were giving away on tackle four and five. The point he was making in the in the, in the press conference when we, we listened to that as well. Giving giving penalties away on and that late in the tackle count, you're having to do another set of six. Fatigue kicks in, and that's when you start making mistakes. So they know they've got to cut those silly penalties out. He was disappointed in the attack as well. He said it was it was toothless, and obviously he's got things to, to work on there in, in, in training for Castleford this week. Because if we want to beat Castleford, we're going to have to score a few points because they like to throw the ball about as well. So he's got things to work on. I don't think he was too despondent. You know, I've, I've seen some stuff what some supporters said, and I and I disagreed with it really. I, I thought some of it was a bit harsh what was said, but uh, we've just got to move on now that game's gone. Obviously, it was disappointing. It's always disappointing when you go away from home and you don't score a try, Roberts. I mean, it happens to us quite quite regularly, doesn't it? There's usually one a season where we go away. I think Leeds, was it Leeds last season where we got nilled at their place? So, or the season before, I can't remember now. There's always usually one in there a season. So, yeah, it's disappointing. And, you know, as a supporter, you go to that and you, you feel a bit let down, don't you? But a couple of days have gone now and I'm just looking forward to the cast game now. Yeah, obviously, it's kind of a learning curve, really, going to, you know, these top four clubs. Uh, away games, you know, there are always a challenge, Paul. And you know, we go to Thailand. We haven't won there since was it 1980. Yeah. So you know, it's not a game we normally win. So it, in a way, you think to yourself, well, you know, it's one we can always cross off the fixture. As, as, as when we, does know. that change, though, Rob? <laughs> when does that like 1980? When does that be, become the norm that we we start winning there? Because that that to me sometimes annoys me. That, that, the, the run we've got there and it plays on your mind every year you go there I think I've never seen them winning it and it's like when we go to Leeds I've only ever seen us win once at Leeds because they've only won once at Leeds in, in my lifetime so it's um, it, sometimes it plays on my mind because you think like it's a Wakefield Huddersfield all these other sides in Super League you can win at these grounds only only occasionally they don't win there every year but we never seem to be able to get victories I know we won at Wigan last season we won at Hull we tend to struggle away from home, don't we, against you know the the top sort of sides, and we never seem to cope with these surprise scores, do we? So, so yeah, I can understand frustrations of supporters because it frustrates me sometimes. You just think, God, I wish they could win at St. Helens in my lifetime. I'm 35 now, and I'm hoping they're going to win there before before I'm too old. But but yeah, like you said, it is a learning curve, and we've just got to keep making progress. And if we can finish in that top eight again, like we did last season, I think you've said this a few times, Robert. It's all about building and doing that year on year and not just doing it one year and I think the, the important thing for me this season is we're finishing that top eight we don't want to have a good season like we did last year but, and then this season finishing that bottom four are going to be mediocre you want to make sure you're finishing in that top eight every year and making progress so that's what Castleford have done I've been doing a bit of a preview on Cast this week and someone was asking me about you know what Daryl Powell's done a great job there at Castleford but he didn't just wave a magic wand and do that overnight he's done that over a period of years he's brought a side in he's got a settled side he's added quality to it and they've really built up and become you know consistent in that sort of top six top five top four and then last season they went and had that fantastic season yeah I think it's just like you said it's a matter of mindset change just doing enough 
we talked about this before, haven't we, on the podcast about yeah, just, winning's winning's a habit, Rob, isn't it? It's yeah. a habit winning, and you, yeah. you've got to, you've got to change your mind. Like you say, you've got to change your mindset. Sometimes I look at the players and the squads, and that, and you think if you look at all the squads on paper and you, you sort of write them all down, you'll be saying to yourself, "Well, he's just as good as him. He's just as good as him. How come they're winning every week and they're not?" And it is. It's about that culture, changing that culture, and you know teams like Wigan, Leeds, St. Helens, they have that winning mentality, don't they? Obviously, they've got a bit of money as well. I mean, some good players and some some international players which we haven't got. But yeah, once you're in that mindset and you you know you start winning, it becomes a habit and that's some culture change that we need to change at Salford. Yeah, well, as I'm saying, looking though, Ian Watson, Ian Watson's got uh, in charge. If you take away the, the, the points deduction, you've got two top eight finishes back to back. Yeah, certainly. Certainly, Ian Watson's done a fantastic job at Salford. He really has. And don't forget, Ian's had an awful lot of, of pressure on him as well off the field with all that stuff to deal with, which he deals with. We've said it loads of times, haven't we? He took it all in his stride, the points deduction, all the off the field business last season with... You know, can't really go into half because it was all rumours, wasn't it, about Manchester and this, that and the other. But he's had all that in the background. I mean, no other club's had all that. After. Most of the clubs are settled and the, the coach is just allowed to do his job. And, and Ian, Ian does, he does all that with all that in the background. And I think now, if if he's allowed to do his job, all right, this season it might be a bit of a transitional season with this new um, people on the, on the board and things like that. But if you can get this season out of the way and finish in the top eight, then next season... You know, just see what he's like without all that in the background. And I think he he's a he's a quality coach here and he's learning all the time. He's only he's only young as well. So if he's given that time and he's, he's learning all the time, he's gonna be a really, really top coach. Hopefully. With Oprah Red Devils leading us to Challenge Cup victories and Super League top eight. Well I think to be honest with you, Rob, I think if another job came up now, another Super League job come up or a top championship job, the chairman of those clubs would be sniffing around Ian Watson. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, I was thinking about the other week about when Warrington lost the first couple of games and I know they've got that Steve Price there coaching them that Australian guy and I thought God if he, he a bit of pressure's on him and he loses his job would Warrington come in for someone like Ian Watson and, and maybe they would because he, he's done his reputation the world of good last season he really has and you know we've got an asset there in here and we need to back him and I know it's difficult with the finances at the club but this is why we've got to try and grow the club and and give him what's and all the resources, you know, his disposal to do, to do his job to the best of his ability because you've got a great coach there or the makings of, of what could be a great coach. Yeah, so big thanks for your three-word match reports and man of the matches um, this week. Uh, Chris and Janet Shenton, too many penalties and their man of the match was Junior South. Uh, Tracy, shameful refereeing again. Her man of the match was Josh Wood. I thought Josh Wood was fantastic. He was fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's been great to see Josh Wood. We spoke to him, didn't we, after the Warrington mm-hmm. friendly game, and he more or less said to us, he was quite harking himself. I, I thought he said, "I've got, I've got to more or less, you know, do do the business this season, or, or I'm not going to be staying at Salford. I'll probably lose me my contract and lose my place." And he's put that pressure on himself. He's he's put some bulk on, some real size on this season. He looks sharp. He looks quick. He's defending well. He looks a totally new player and a very exciting player as well. Who seems to be improving every week. Yeah, Sophie Logan, uh, awful uh, bias ref. Her man of the match was Josh Wood. Tony <coughs> Frame, uh, work in progress. And his man of the match was Tyrone McCarthy. Paul Foster, flat, flat, flat. And um, his man of the match was uh, Josh Wood again. Uh, Nicky, Nicky Knack, Mickey Max, Malakas, this is the referee. Uh, a lot of people not happy about his performance. Mark uh, wasn't happy about the ref performance as well. Chairman Bob, poor attacking option. His man of the match was Josh Wood. Gary Williams, clueless in attack. 
his man of the match was Josh Wood, Jake C. Uh, Salford, his man of the match was Woody, uh, Andy Dixon, normal service reviews, I think that's a bit harsh, normal service reviews, I think you can have one that day at the office, can't you? Um, if he's on about uh, <laughs> performances at St. Helens, he's probably about right, because <laughs> we've had a lot of items there over the last 30, 40 years, haven't we? So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's just, just a strange one, really. I mean, we played all right. We was all right at Wakefield. We should have won that game. We beat all okay. Obviously, the Wigan game is a bit of a disappointment. I don't know about normal service resume, but you can understand, like I said, these people are supporters, Robin. You can understand their frustrations. They've worked all week. They've gone there. they spent a few quid getting there. And if you get beat 34-2, it's, it's a disappointment, isn't it? It is a disappointing result. And, you know, you can't really... I don't know you can fudge round it as much as you want and say oh they did this they did that at the end of the day it's result based business in it and we, we got beat but it's how you react from that there's no use sulking about it and going on you've got to you've got to switch yourselves on for, for Castleford now next week and then hold the week after that's what Super League's like you don't get a breather do you every week's a challenge yeah uh, Lee and Darby poor second half his man of the match was Josh Wood and Paul Hume the Ben Bar show and his man of the match was Josh Wood so yeah Josh Wood uh, picks up uh, all the uh, Man of the matches this week. Yeah, well, he deserves it as well. He played really well. I thought John Wood, and, and another one for me was Lee Mossop. I thought Lee Mossop run. He looked really good. I thought Lee Mossop was the best forward on the pitch out of both sides. He took the ball in really well. He made a lot of yards. He was a handful, and he's quick as well. He gets that quick play of the ball, and like I said, you can't really, um, really knock the forwards. Forwards have been good this season. If we can just get that half-back partnership going. I think we'll do okay. Yeah, I'm going to go for Tyrell McCarthy. Again, I think this week he was uh, another great performance from him. Uh, yeah. Well, here is this week's Devil in the Detail amateur report. There was quite a lot of postponements last week due to the weather, so I'll give you the results we have got and the fixtures for next week. In the National Conference Leagues, all the matches were postponed there. That was Kells versus Rochdale Mayfield in the Premier Division, Saddleworth Rangers versus East Leeds in Division 2, and in Division 3, Barrow Island against Oldham St. Anne's, Salford City Roosters against Eastmoor Dragons, and Wollstone Rovers against Waterhead Warriors were all postponed due to frozen pitches. The fixtures for this week in the National Conference Leagues, Premier Division, Saturday the 10th of March, Rochdale Mayfield are at home to Egremont Rangers. In Division 2, Askham face Saddleworth Rangers. Division 3, it's Dewsbury Celtic against Salford City Roosters. Eastmoor Dragons against Wollstone Rovers. Oldham St. Anne's against Millham. Waterhead Warriors against Stanley Rangers. Barrow Island against Gateshead Storm. And Beverly against Blackbrook. The North West Men's League gets underway this weekend. There was just one fixture on Saturday, 3rd of March. Pilkington Rex A14, Wigan St. Pat's A32, that was in Division 1. All the other matches were postponed. The fixtures for this Saturday, the 10th of March, in the Premier Division. Folly Lane make their bow in the Premier Division, so best of luck to them. They're at home to Oral St. James on Saturday. Division 1 is Hares Finch against Rochdale Mayfield A. Division 2, Leyland Warriors against Oldham St. Anne's A. Manchester Rangers versus Berry Broncos. Division 3, Chester Gladiators face Rochdale Cobras. West Hart and Lions against Langworthy Reds and in Division 4 it's Carryshead Rhinos against Blackpool Scorpions Saddleworth Rangers A against Wigan Springview and in Division 5 Bolton Mets versus Northwest Tigers Berry Broncos A versus Thato Heath Crusaders B Ryland Sharks versus Littleborough and Wigan Springview A versus Higginshaw 
Well, in student rugby league, all the games were off last week due to frozen pitches and snow as the weather really gripped hold of the country and it was a bit of a nightmare last week. But the fixtures this week are as follows. In On Wednesday the 7th of March, it's the Rugby League Trophy and that is between Northumbria A versus Manchester Met. In the Northern Conference Cup, Manchester face Salford and there are no college games involving our local sides this week. Moving on to the North West Youth League, on Sunday the 11th of March the fixtures are for this. It's the Under-18s Premier Division, it's Thato Heath against Waterhead. In Division 1 of the Under-18s, Hindley play Oldham St. And Division 2 of the Under-18s, it's Burton Wood against Caddy's Ed, Rochdale Mayfield against Saddleworth and South Trafford against Folly Lane. In the Under-16s, Division 1, Folly Lane face Wollstone Goals, Oldham St. Anne's play Oral St. James. Division 2 of the Under-16s, Saddleworth versus Thato Heath, Waterhead versus Langworthy Reds, West Horton versus Wigan St. Patrick's and finally in Division 3 of the under-16s, Ashton Bears against Salford City Roosters, Lee East versus South Trafford and Pilkington Rex versus Rochdale. A bit of news now regarding the X-Max Barla National Cup. The semi-finals of the Barla Cup, which will be played on Sunday the 31st of March, are certain to produce an inter-county final. Haydock will host Thato Heath Crusaders, a bit of a derby there. That's in one semi-final, that's at St. Helens Derby. While Ovendon of Halifax will travel to West Hull. So it's Haydock against Thato Heath Crusaders and Ovendon against West Hull. Bit of amateur news as well, Great Britain teachers are planning to launch a Masters team. The over 35 side is set to play the Royal Navy in May and arrangements are being made for further fixtures during 2018. The invitation has been fired out for interested players who can also look forward to tours abroad if sufficient interest can be generated. Further information can be obtained by emailing, this is all in lowercase, greatbritainteachers at gmail.com. Well that's all I've got for you this week, I shall see you on Sunday at Weldon Road for Salford BCAS. Get the kick right out of your radio. This is Radio Contact. Talking about the game against Casford on Sunday. It's International Women's Week uh, this week, Paul. Uh, 40% of our listeners are women. Um, you know, and the club, there's a lot of women involved who work in the club who do great stuff. And it's great, obviously, that the, the International Women's Day is there to celebrate what, they're, what they can achieve. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good that we recognise people, uh, Rob. It's nice to see so many women involved in rugby league and women playing the sport as well. I've, I've noticed that. I've been following following that in my league express last few weeks, and there's more and more women taking part in, in the sport and, and playing. And yeah, I think it's great. I think equality in life in general is great. I don't like people being. I've always been a big believer in you know equality. You know, I sound like a politician now, don't I? But, <laughs> Get a bit deep here, Rob. But yeah. no, in my job, I meet all sorts of people every day, and I try and treat everybody equal. You know, when you meet them, and I think in a lot of walks of life, people don't do it, and you should do. And you know, there's plenty of women out there who watch rugby league, play rugby league, referee rugby league, and you've got to give everybody a chance. And I think it's great the way everybody gets involved now, and it's a it's a good celebration of. of uh, trying to get my words right, of the, of the females and the women in, in sport. Yeah, we spoke to Rachel Savage from Languida Ladies all about the ladies' game in the area, and this is what she had to say. So we're here going to be talking all things uh, rugby league and we're talking about uh, Langwithy Girls uh, rugby league team in Salford. Tell us all about that. Well, we've recently started before Christmas um, a girls division at Langwither where we're currently doing basic rugby sessions free on a Saturday at, down at Oakwood Park. 
for girls who haven't played before and just want to come and see what the sport's about. How important is it, obviously, development, you know, the girls wanting to get into sport? It's a massive thing, isn't it? It's a massive push at the moment. I think um, society in general, we're all trying to live healthy lifestyles and if we can get them playing the best sport in the world, then it's all the better. Yeah, rugby league is growing all the time. The women's game. There's professional uh, teams in in um, in England, like the Bradford and Wigan and and Saints and Leeds. And you know, you're hoping that you know this can inspire you know, possibly a sofa one in the future. Well, fingers crossed. If we can get the girls are out there and they want to play, and there's some talent out there, we could Salford could have a fighting chance in the future. Yeah, obviously, the news is that Castle of the Tigers have brought a, a sort of academy for for ladies. You know sort of five ten years down the line the, the Australian uh, women's sort of rugby are thinking about getting sort of a TV deal and it kind of semi-professional do you think it can kind of move in that direction? I think as a you know as a dream in a couple of years time there's no reason why it couldn't it's, it's, you know it's up and coming we've got ten girls at the moment at Langwever we've been going two months yeah and it's amazing that you work so hard uh, for these girls to give them a chance to hopefully go to the next level it is I mean they want to play so we just give that opportunity for four people to play so obviously as you know ladies develop you think it's harder to kind of get them into the game well I think it depends we get them early enough so I'm the coach of the under Nava. we've got three ladies on our team that we've had from the age of three and unfortunately as the rules stand at the moment when they get to high school they've got to start playing and there isn't anywhere for them to play so I think that was a big push for us to um get a language division going because these girls have been the most improved they've been coaches player they've been parents player they've we, we don't count tries and stuff like that under nines but leading try scorers leading tacklers and it's sad to think that in two years time they can't play competitively so you think the rfl should be able to sort of change the rules to let ladies play longer in in the in a, in a lads in game let's team. say or um, do you reckon it should be like a separate division personally i think there's these two things there um I would have carried on playing on a lads team at 13, but I think maybe if you've come from a rugby background, then you will do. If you've not come from a rugby background, then it might be better to have a big push on under 12s girls rugby yeah. and get into schools and get into primary schools. Because we, we've known each other for, for a few years. And <laughs> yes, you, you were... let's, let's not say how long now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you were useful. You know, you played really uh, quite a high level, high level, didn't you? I did. Um, I played mixed, mixed as long as I could. And then, because of the RFL rules, I had to go and play. Well, I had to train, wasn't allowed to play. So I was 13 training for um, Wigan St. Pat's Open Age at the time. And you're 13-year-old and you're training with 21-year-olds. It's not the best environment. I'm a bit shocked that it's still the same. So, sadly, my girls are possibly facing that reality in a couple of years' time. So hopefully I can give them somewhere to play at Langover. Yeah, talking about the World Cup, England travelled to, uh, to Australia. Uh, that was a great tournament. It was, and I think it definitely did something to boost it in this country, because suddenly people were talking about girls' rugby. The um, RFL were giving funding out to the Super League clubs, and it went from there. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, live, radio contact. It's Travel to Castle of the Tigers on Sunday, Paul. It's a big game. Castle of the Tigers at home are always a tough, tough team. It's a tough place to go, Rob. Yeah, it always has been for Salford, especially in, in, in my lifetime. Anyway, going there, I've not seen us win there very often, but I think if you go back to the sort of 70s and, and late 60s as well, we, 
and, and the eighties we've had some some defeats there and some, well, a couple upsets and it's one of those grounds, isn't it? They, they raise the game, cast don't they? They're, they're a decent home side and we're gonna have to be on our game if we're gonna get anything there from, from Castlewood. I know they've not started quite as well as they did last season, blowing teams away and they got beat at Saint Helens, but I think they're still going to be good. I think losing Zach Ardick was was quite a big big miss for for Cass, but they they brought some players in. We've got a new halfback partnership in uh, Jamie Ellis is back there playing the Luke Gale, so that'll be interesting to see. But they've also got some strike players all over the pitch, decent set of forwards as well, and a decent hooker in Paul McShane who always seems to play really well against us. I really admire him; he's a good player. So we're going to have to be on our metal to to win that game. Yeah, obviously a bit of a cold run as well, um, Castleford. It's important that you know, us fans get over the uh, M62 and, and support the boys on Sunday. Yeah, it's always a cold. It's always a great atmosphere there, Rob. It's one of those stadiums where you get about three and a half, four thousand people in there and it's a bit like the Willows and you still get a cracking atmosphere. It's a tight ground as well. It's only a small pitch, Castleford. I noticed that last season when we were sat in the in the stand there doing the press and we were sat more or less on the halfway line. I mean, it really is a short pitch. You've only got to do about two tackles, and you're in the opposition's 20, 25. So it's going to be um, going to be a good game. Castle are a bit like us; they like to throw the ball around, don't they? They've got pace on the edges. You know, Greg Eden, Michael Shenton, uh, Greg Minikin as well, the, the other uh, winger. So it's going to be tough. We're going to have to play really well to get anything from that game. We're going to have to score some points, as I said before. I think we've got the pack to match Castleford. I think our forwards are just as good as theirs. And uh, I'm going there quite optimistic on, on Sunday, Rob. I think we can do the job. We are putting some good performances against Castleford at Castleford uh, through the years. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a good sort of test, I think, to see where we're going. Because obviously Castleford, without Hardacre, they're not the same team. Um, can they find the magic? Can they find some of that X factor, um, you know, to take them back to, to, the, to the, you know, the very top? And if we can go to Castleford and get a result, uh, that'll be, you know, a big feather in our cap and a good statement for everyone in Super League and where we're going yeah I, I, I'm just trying to think how many um, I think this is their third home game because they played Saints on the opening game away and got beat then they beat Hull last weekend um, and that was at, at Castleford they had a tight win there and they beat Witness at Castleford by a point I think it was 13-12 was it or 11-10 or something like that the week before so they must have played this was their third home game so they've not been dead convincing this season it was a hard fought win against Hull and then the game against Castlewood I think the weather was really bad that day when they played Castlewood a few weeks ago when we had that first bit of snow and uh, they, they struggled to win that game they were losing for long periods in that game so they're not playing the, the free-flowing rugby they were playing last season if you think back to the, the first part of last season it was they got 60 points against Leeds at home, didn't they? They were blowing everybody away until they played us at the AJ Bell and we were the first side to beat them. So they're not playing um, you know, on fire as they were last season. So I think we've got an excellent chance of getting a result from that game. I think if we could get a win there on Sunday, that would be a massive boost to the, the confidence of the players. And You've got Hull then the week after on the Friday night. If you can get two points there at the cast, this, is a, this could be a really big game in our season. Does Ian Watson switch it around? Obviously, after defeat against St. Ellen's, got Ooh, a few question. forwards and few backs available who aren't playing at the moment. Does he change his members of the squad? That's an excellent question. Um, Weller actually pulled out last week and the captain's run, didn't he? So we don't know whether Weller will be back this week. He had a hamstring injury. That's how Mark Flanagan came in. So whether Weller will be back in the side, I'm not too sure. Weller gives us a good balance down that side, I think. He's a strong tackler as well. 
Mike Flanagan, though, he's never lets anybody down. Regarding changes, I think the only change he's probably going to make is uh, he'd be in the back line, really, for me. I think your forwards are going to stay the same. It's a, it'd be a big, bold move now to to change your half-backs, Brown. What would you do? you bring Gareth O'Brien in with Robert Lewis and then put nine levels back to full-back. Would you do that? I'm not so sure whether Ian Watson would do that. I think he'd probably give little Jack Little John another game there. What would you do, Rob? Would you change things round? Uh, would you have a go at the half-back? I think we're lacking pace. So you've got to put Johnson on one wing to, add, to give you that bit of, bit of, bit of speed. To give yep. you a bit of think about what to think yep. about. Um, probably take Bibby out and put Johnson in. Is, he on the, is that the right side of the field? Yep. So... That'd be that would be my change because I think forwards you know are, are, are playing well you know they're strong and they're powerful and they're big and they're going to cause tackles for problems but if you've got pace on the outside it gives defenders just something to think about so for me you're going to put you put Johnson on on the wing or you put Olsen on the on the other wing just for you know for speed and if you put him on the other wing then you put Evans at fullback then you know you say what you do with Gazo Bryan do you bring him off the bench or do you put him as an half-back mm. swap, that's the that's the conundrum that Ian Watson's got. Any, but I just think having a bit of pace on the outside, with which you know Brad Brad Johnson brings, you know, would make a big difference. I think. When you've got that pace on the outside, though, Rob, you've got to get that ball to him. Mm. Someone's got to get that ball out wide to him, and that's that's up to your half-backs. And from where we were looking on on Sunday, we didn't seem to have that that penetration, that organisation at half-back. You know, Robert Louis not an organiser for me. Robert Louis is a bit like he is sort of you finish your inning like your Danny Maguire sort of type player he'll finish moves off your Richie Myler he's he's not a general is he he generals when you're looking at people like I don't know Michael Dobson and he would fit the bill and I saw a post today on Facebook actually I think we've had this discussion haven't we in the, in the car when we was going up there or when we've we've, we've not been on air together when we've just been chatting generally about Matty Smith mm. um, coming on loan is it you have had that chat with no it's is it not it must be somebody else and I've had this chat <laughs> with somebody else and um, I, I saw a post on one of the Facebook pages today from, from, from the chat we put on about Matty Smith you know being available on loan I think Justin Albert wants to get him some game time and would we be looking at somebody like that but he's the sort of player you know a Dobson a Matty Smith uh, Bobby Gould in that sort of time play I'm going back a bit there aren't I but you know what I mean don't you that's Danny Brough that's the sort of player that, that we need at the moment and perhaps we we don't realise how much we're missing Michael Dobson a lot of people give Michael stick last season and I think now we're seeing what, what a pivotal player he was because when you take a player like that out on the side and I think just going back to, to Sunday with the um, with his not scoring points someone said to me I can't remember who it was now I remember going um about the about the tries and it was not scoring and you look at the players we've lost we lost Ben Murdoch Masilla he scored 15 tries for us last season Ben Murdoch Masilla it was a lot of tries for a forward to score but it wasn't just the tries that he scored it was the breaks that he made the tackle busts that he made the way he sucked defenders in because he was he was so dangerous teams had to think about him now you've had that guy took out of your side he's a big hole out of the team you take Michael Dobson out of the side as well who's like your, your pivot your, your go-to man those two players I think are a massive loss for us yeah, I agree with that. But I suppose it's just a matter of Ian Watson having to change the systems in the team. Because obviously, people will have, worked, will have figured that out last year, won't they? So we have to yep. make a new plan this year. And, yep. you know, it's it, you are missing that, that you know, like I say, that, that bit of X factor or that bit of 
the old magic sometimes. You've got a, a team there that's going to grasp, it's going to work hard. Just missing that bit of, bit of magic for me at the moment. We don't seem to have anybody on that side at the moment that I've seen that can that can bust through mm. and go that 50 yards and charge over and score. We don't seem to have that sort of size in the forwards. We've got a good pack of forwards, don't get me wrong, but we've not got that 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 that, that guy who can run out wide, you know, that wide runner. Mm. You know, every side, you, you know, you want to challenge at the top, you need that plug, don't you? You can run out wide and cause the damage. And uh, we, we've not really got that at the moment. And like you said about Ian Watson changing things around, yeah, I think he's got to adapt it. And, and one player that's exciting, and we spoke about him, me and you together, haven't we? Ben Ban Nakabuai. Yeah. Yeah. He he's an exciting prospect. He's a prospect though. He's he's very green at the moment, but he's in, he's improving week on week. And can he do that job that Ben Murdoch Missile did? I'm not so sure. We'll have to wait and see on that one. I've got every faith in the lad though. I think he's got a lot of potential. And let's hope that he can do. Levy and Zungu's another one. He's another lad who, who's who's pretty green and, and and hopefully we'll see him make a push into the side this season. But like I said, Ian Watson's got to change things round. He's got to uh, suss things out and new, and new plans and that and that takes time and like we said before little John and Louis is going to take time yeah give us your score prediction for the game on Sunday I'm going to rock the Millie Express <laughs> yeah I've done my predictions today I've gone for Castleford 18 Salford 24 24-18 I'm going to go Castleford. right this this week be sensible I'm always because I think I think you're cursing us every week. That's, <laughs> you curse us at St. Helens, that's silly prediction. So, right. predict us to win, but be sensible. Be sensible. Well. Right, sensible prediction. <laughs> We're going to go. Castleford, 24. Salford, 30. Is that Good sensible enough for you? Yeah, yeah. Sensible. Copying off me now, you copycat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do like, just kind of like, a big scoreline to make a statement. Yeah. That's what I want. Well, well, I think is the weather going to be all right weekend? I think it's going to be fairly mild, fairly <laughs> mild and dry. And like you said on that pitch at Castleford, it's only small, it's only a short pitch. So mm. the, the vast majority of the games we played against Castle over the, the last few years have been quite a few points in the games, haven't they? Mm. So I would expect there to be a few points on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Like you say, it's, it's a big game for both sides, and hopefully, Salford always secure a victory there and keep our upward movement of the Super League. So, that's in this week's show, Paul. Another great show. Yeah, really enjoyed it, mate. Really enjoyed it. And I'm really looking forward to Sunday. I like the Sunday games. And yeah, let's hope we can take a good following up to Castlewood. Should be an exciting game. Hopefully we can get that result. And uh, like I said, I don't want to be hearing that blooming Neil Diamond singing at the end. So let's win when it stops Cass playing that daft song. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, big thanks for tuning in to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I've been Rob Parkinson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail, SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITDSRD and you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Radio Contact. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.
Radio Contact.